0: Right, before we get started, a word on the Sens last night. They fell 5-1 to Vancouver. This West Coaster has been a real peach, hasn't it? They've been outscored 18-5 to in the three games, 12-2 to in the two games in Vancouver alone. A bright spot, I suppose. The Sens have one of their most dominant periods in a long time. They just came out tonight in the first period and blasted Vancouver, out-shooting them 24-7 to in the first period. That's 24 is close to an entire night's work for the Sens, but... They only come out with one goal. The game was tied at one after one. And Vancouver took over in the second completely. And they were equally dominant. Only they were scoring goals in the midst of their domination. And uh, made it like 4-1. And I don't know. It's almost as if the Sens have enough to poke the bear. But not enough to prevent being eaten by the bear. They play well for a period or two. Enough to wake the other side up. And when the other side pushes back, the Sens to fall. We saw it with the Jets. We saw it with the Canucks. Now, and I'm I've been maintaining patience, keeping a level head here. I'm I'm totally cognizant of the fact this team has, has has played what now seven games in the last ten months. They've overturned their roster. Half of the roster is new, and no preseason games. It's getting later though, and um, I think that you do have to start looking now at an admission that some of these veteran players should be heading for the taxi squad. They're going to be gone most of them in three months anyway at the deadline. The veterans, they were brought in to insulate, to mentor, to keep the kids from absorbing all the losing and being miserable coming to the rink, those kinds of things. Um, I think we're at a stage now of what do you have to lose? Some of the kids have to get a chance, and soon, you've got three points, three out of the possible 14 points in the first seven games, again I ask. What do you have to lose? All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Playing on the wrong side. Chatfield after that mouth injury gets back in. That's in. Oh, Oh, man, what a call. That clip courtesy of Sportsnet. John Garrett telling a long-winded random story while the play is on. Finally interrupted with, that's in. Epic call. Welcome to the show, it's an Ottawa-based podcast producing fun new episodes every single weekday. It is Steve Warren, it is Jim Jerome, James, how are things? I'm good, Stevie,
1: uh, I was just looking at a few, I don't know if we talked about it on the show uh, before. Uh, we, we probably mentioned it, I guess, but I've been reading a lot about uh, George Armstrong. Okay, uh, the, the first um, indigenous player uh, to, to play in the NHL. Uh, he's from my hometown. Stevie. I don't think he was in- the first, by the way. Uh, what am I reading here? Armstrong became the first player of Indigenous descent. Oh, sco- Sorry, sorry, uh, to score in the NHL. Okay. Okay. There we go. Sorry. So he wasn't, wasn't the first guy. Um, anyway, remarkable guy. Remarkable, 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 remarkable guy. Uh, <laughs> not just another no, you know, known hockey player from the past that died. But uh, twenty-one seasons the guy played. Uh, and took 12 of them, uh, captaining, of course, your favorite uh, Maple Leafs. Boo! Yeah. Um, anyway, what, I was really impressed with uh, all the comments I hear. Um, he often said when people were pouring on the accolades for him, speaking of humility, he would, he would always answer it with, I'm gathering anyway, as I see more and more of it, he'd always answer with, oh, I don't know about that right and and then what was really cool, he was like a kid on Christmas morning uh, at at all times through his career saying, I, "You know what it's just the happiest I've ever been. I've never you know it's this whole thing just makes me you know full of joy you know right. <laughs> and it was really kind of refreshing to see you know that uh, because you know how I get on these players this week. the reason I bring it up is that I think they're soft and I think they're spoiled. Um, you know the the big blockbuster trade with Dubois and Line a flipping teams, that, uh, that 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 kind of bugs me. With Aaron Rodgers, sort of pouting a bit, saying you know looking at this, going oh, I'm gonna have to look at this because in other words, he was um, you know referencing maybe they're not dedicated to me anymore, and and that just drives me bananas. You know right. when, when I hear that. So uh, this kind of stuck out. All the all the stuff I've read about. George Armstrong you know so uh.
0: 90 years of age and to put things in perspective how long it's been since the Leafs won a Stanley Cup here's a guy who had a great long life lived to the age of 90 and he was the guy who scored the clinching goal the last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won a Stanley Cup depositing one in 1967 into an empty net to defeat the Montreal Canadians that year yeah it's been a while you
1: know I didn't realize either uh, after starting to read a bunch of stuff on him that, that he, uh, he didn't go away. Like he retired in whatever it was, 71 or 72, uh, started in 59. Um, but he, he also was an interim coach a couple of times, head coach, uh, stayed involved scouting, uh, doing some, I think some front office stuff with a couple of teams. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, the the guy loved the game. He absolutely loved the game and he loved everything about it. And he never complained ever. Right. About, about anything that I can, that I can see. And uh, I, I, I like that. I, I, I really like that. Now, what, a, what a way to go. Out. That's how you want to go out, you know. Um, and it's uh, ironic that, uh, you know, that this great athlete who I've really taken to over the last three or four days, uh, I, sent, I sent you a little piece on Hall of Fame guys for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Who will never ever now make it into the Hall of Fame, right? Um, and and it's not the way you want to go out, man. What? Because I was reading it today. I think it's Clemens, uh, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds. I think. yep. Yeah. First of all, I didn't realize if you if you don't get voted in on so many ballots, eventually you're taken off. Right? That's right. Yeah. And those two guys, uh, who were great athletes, and you know, tagged with um, PED. That that they're done. Uh, that's the story I read today. They, they will never get in the Hall of Fame, and God, that's got to be that's got to be a, a crushing deal, you know. If you if you had all the stats to get in, whatever the minimum requirements are, and then today you wake up going, "Sorry, man, uh, you're gonna have to make up a story to your grandkids." So
0: yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely a it's definitely a, a shame. It's um, on them. Uh, and, and it's too bad because, you know, they're, when you look at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I mean, that's as good as it gets as far as an outfielder and a pitcher go. Clemens won a myriad of Cy Young awards, Barry Bonds with a home run record. And, uh, you know, if you're a fan of both guys, you'd probably make the argument that if they hadn't taken PEDs, they still would have had Hall of Fame careers. And that may well be true, but mm-hmm. we will never know because those guys took away that opportunity by uh, injecting themselves, by rubbing the cream on themselves and, and, and looking for that advantage. They were right. cheaters. And as, as a result, um, they're going to be remembered forever as such. They will live a life that none of us could ever dream of in terms of the millions of dollars they earned. So I don't feel too badly for them. Um, but uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate because they could have still been regarded today as Hall of Famers, um, two of the best of their generation, now they're not on the Hall of Fame. And not only that, that uh their legacy is spoiled. The right. interesting one, though, of the three is Kurt Schilling in that he didn't cheat. Now he may have drawn a bit of red marker on his white sock in the World Series. Right. <laughs> but uh he did not cheat. What he did do was offend everybody with some of his political beliefs, and that he backed the idea of overturning the election and, and a violent coup attempt. And uh even his baseball-only supporters had a problem with that. And as a result of his politics, he's probably not going to get in either because he only has one year left, and he's actually asked to be removed from the writer's ballot. He's so discouraged by everything. And and that one I I probably I do have more of an issue with. I don't agree with anything Schilling stands for politically, but as a baseball player, uh, he didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there was a, a girl online
1: the other day after this, after the uh, the Packers lost that game and then, uh, you know, the the whole world was flooded with uh, that he may not return. Aaron Rodgers may not return. And there was a girl who was uh, put, up a, put up a post. I don't know where I saw it, on YouTube or something. And she was, I was laughing at her because she started crying about Aaron Rodgers. And, excuse me, and... I was like, okay, take it easy, you know, easy now. She was she was sobbing like it was a death, right? You know, and uh, like you know, my my sardonic tone and sarcasm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we easy now. But then I thought afterwards, you know, it's like, well, that's her world, you know, mm-hmm. and for these people who are who are fans of a Barry Bonds or a Kurt Schilling or uh, a Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. You know when those guys were playing, right? They turned the world upside down, right? They, they, wasn't it Maguire and Sosa who hit seventy home runs, both or yeah. something like that?
0: The home run race. Well, not both. Maguire seventy and Sosa sixty six.
1: Yeah, and and I'm, I always harp on the fans a little bit when they're when they're you know weighing in on they got to trade this guy and I hate this team and you 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 know you guys are going through it in Ottawa right now, where everyone's you know writing off the Ottawa Senators right now and. But some of it I, I understand, you know. I understand it now, where where uh, you know I got a friend in Winnipeg, who when the when the Winnipeg Jets left for the, uh, I guess the second time, uh, they've only left once. Or the or the, yeah. Okay. So w- when they left, uh, it, it brought the town down. You know, like There the, the, there was like this depression. You know, I I know from my my buddy, he was. I was talking to him on the phone back then and he just went, he went on at length about how, how it's harmed him, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, fans are fans, man. They're big. And, and, and that, I'm just thinking today that might, you wake up and go, what a drag, man. What what a drag. Cause I, I put a lot of time into, into cheering for those guys. So.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a tough situation right now in, in town here. And, and I would, I would encourage this exercise, if you're an Ottawa Senator fan, and I do want to get back to Kurt Schilling here in a moment, but I would encourage Ottawa Senator fans to do this as an exercise. Like, remove the Sens from the equation, and remove any allegiance you have to what I'll call Team X. Just random, off-the-shelf Major League franchise. This team, Team X, has not played a single game in 10 months. They haven't had a preseason, they haven't had exhibition games, and after 10 months, they get a few days to mince about in training camp to decide on their team, and then it's whammo, 0-60, to right into the heart of a regular season. And that regular season has now lasted all of 11 days. Mm -hmm. Are you really that upset that this team doesn't have his act together right now after just 11 days? taking away the Sens allegiance and all that. It's just Team X. How can you possibly realistically expect a team in those circumstances, which also, by the way, turned over half its roster to be any good at all in those 11 days?
1: You know, I agree with a lot of what you say, Steve, Uh, but there's something that uh, is interesting with this because I I do. It's like, take it easy, okay? We're, We're playing these inordinate amount of games and the schedule's crazy, covid Uh, you know, guys, you know, you got to watch for that thing all the time, three games in four nights, you know, the travel, the all Canadian division is, is this thing going to work or not, uh, with a lot of teams, um, you know, if you're Vancouver or Montreal, right, there's, there's a ton more travel than if you're Winnipeg, for example, right? You're in the middle here. You can zip two hours either way. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think everyone does have to take it easy. Um, what I think might happen is watching that Winnipeg game, Ehlers and, and Wheeler, went down in, in kind of sort of innocent little body checking, you know? And I began to think, you know, you, you, what may happen out of this that doesn't happen all the time is the incidence of injury, um, you know, from, from playing so many freaking games in such a short time, you know? Uh, I remember seeing players after a game. I mean, they're beat up, man. You know, you're, they're, they're beat up after a game. Always something, Stevie, you know? A little sore here, a little shoulder, t- a yeah. little shoulder tweak. Uh, you know, a, a, a Charlie horse. and It happens all day. And I, and I wonder if that's going to affect the play, you know, the injury thing. What, I, what is happening, though, that surprises me, Steve, Tortorella, right, is really outspoken about Dubois, uh, about his effort. And um, so they, they got rid of him. Barry Trotz comes online today and, and talks about uh, not, not so much it's difficult to play, but he's pissed with the players mm-hmm. that they're not trying. That they don't have, he says, it's playoff mentality. I'm paraphrasing, and uh, th- that's how it has to be from start to finish in this sh- short schedule. But now he's coming out saying, you know, we got we got a bunch of players who aren't trying.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, no, no question about that. But but just back to the sense for a second. In that model that I gave you, ten months without a game, you've got a full half roster that has changed over. You've got a a rookie head coach, effectively. He hasn't even played, played or coached for 82 games in the league yet. And uh, it just, don't you think that's unrealistic for fans to be this upside down like they are in Ottawa? Don't you think that that's a totally unrealistic look at things that, you know, after 11 games, you're ready? To, and, on, and by the way, on opening night, you know, this team was uh, maybe a playoff team in a lot of people's eyes. And in right. 11 days, it's been a complete overturn of the attitude, everything sucks right now. I can't believe they're not playing the kids. The veterans are bad. The goalie's bad. The coach is bad. The GM's bad. It's so early, is my point, um, that uh, mm-hmm. it just seems crazy that after 11 days that people are reacting this vehemently about the Sens being junk.
1: Yeah, well, well, I've always been, I, I've always never liked that. The team burying, you know, fans burying their team, um, you know, regardless of what's happening, right? Not everyone can be a winner. I, no, I, no, I do see what you're saying, and I understand that. Uh, that you got to, you know, look, look at the facts. Look at the facts, all, all of which you just pointed out. Uh, so it's like, well, dial it back, folks. Dial it back. You know? at, at least be patient. This year. Year. Go ahead yeah. and
0: bury them in a month, but
1: be patient for now. Yeah. Or, or, or next year, you know. Uh, who, who are you going to listen to who's credible, uh, you know, about the sense? You know, that would be you. And, and i got to think back to when we interviewed Gord Wilson, okay, who's been with this team since day one. And in the end of the interview... Uh, what I took away from that is, Gord said it's not going to be a, a great year for the Sens. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very tough year. Um, you know, just short of saying, I, you know, I not I think they're going to have a hard time making the playoffs. So that's who I look at to make make the assessment of the team. And, and you got you got to believe Gordy Wilson. You know, so if you're a fan, maybe listen, go back and listen to that show, whatever show number it was, but. Uh he was honest, he's credible, he knows the team inside and out, he's passionate about it. Uh so you would always, you know, you would think, Oh, you know, you're gonna get a one-sided thing here that the Sens can do no wrong if it's if it's Gordy
0: Wilson. But but you remember that, Stevie? You know oh yeah, you for sure. And Gordy is, like you say, is super optimistic when it comes to the Ottawa Senators, covering the team since day number one. Uh he's from this area. He's a rabid hockey fan at heart. And I think Gordy Wilson is always going to, you know, come at things from a glass half full perspective. And he comes out and says, he's not expecting much this year, probably a last place in the North division. Then, uh, yeah, you're, you you know where things are probably headed. Um, but I, I just, my, uh, my point is that I just feel like people are just, uh, being very impatient right now. And, uh, having unrealistic expectations for the first 11 days, like I say, a month, two months from now, the 20-game mark, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. then we can start. We've said this a million times in the times we've chatted with Pierre Maguire, which numbers in the hundreds, Mm -hmm. um, he's always said that. You know, You don't know what a team really is until about the 20-game mark. Even Mm -hmm. in a season like this, it doesn't change. In fact, it's probably going to be even longer than 20 games because nobody had any preparation time. Proper preparation time for this thing. All right, let's take a time out on the program. When we come back, the John Tortorella-Pierre-Luc Dubois feud. Tortorella talked about it quite candidly last night on Sportsnet. We'll get to that after these words. Jim K. Ford is a full-service commercial and fleet dealership. They supply companies in the Ottawa area with work trucks of all shapes, sizes, and functionalities, from small delivery vans to the big F750s. Whether you're in towing, landscaping, or deliveries, Jim K. Ford will help you with the right truck and body for your needs. JimKFord.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. My job is to get the best deal available to you. With eight companies at my disposal, I have the markets. With our expertise in home and auto insurance, we'll make it easy for you. So put me in your lineup and I'll give you an honest effort. I'm Josh, President of All Insurance Ontario. Text or call 860-6008 and I'll give you the best value. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. Pico is Ottawa's home for authentic, old-school, custom-crafted Neapolitan pizza without all the fuss and expense of fine dining. Pico is quick and easy, fresh and healthy, and made with the highest quality ingredients. Craft your own thin-crust pizza masterpiece with unlimited toppings for just $15. Pico use the Pico app and save on third-party app fees 236 Richmond Road 170 Metcalf Street and the new location 305 Rito right, Hey welcome back to the show as mentioned John Tortorella very candid comments on Sportsnet when it comes to Pierre Luc Dubois Here's what he had to say have Luke and I had conflict? You're G.D. right we've had conflict. If someone doesn't want to be here, that's a hard thing for me to stomach, quite honestly. And he added, I'll tell you this. I do think the athletes today, it's a softer athlete. As for the benching, I would do it again. And after Tortorella benched Dubois for the majority of what turned out to be his final game with the Blue Jackets early last week, everybody was speculating the falling or the failing relationship between the two led to the center's trade demand last month. Uh Dubois said that uh any of the contract negotiations that had nothing to do with it uh but didn't want to explain why he demanded a trade and Tortorella said as for me uh, a lot of people have some perceptions of me that I and they don't have a clue of who I am I've always sus- mm. kind of suspected that about old Torts in that he's right. a he's a bit of a a mad dog when it comes to his uh the images we see during hockey games even in dressing room action. You saw him try and go after Bob Hartley one time. We've seen him in those documentaries where he's barking at his New York Rangers back in the day. Mm -hmm. And now with Columbus, um, I I certainly think that there's a different guy because I've seen enough interviews where he's away from the game, where he's talking about charities, um, people with high needs and things. And to see the softer side of John Tortorella, there's a lot more there than we see at the hockey games.
1: Yeah. I don't know, and, and... you know, I brought up this Barry Trots thing too, right? About, you know, where they're, you know, the head coach now. He's not the first one to say our guys don't. They're not. They don't have their head in the game, you know. And I guess we got. I guess I gotta say to Trots the same thing I would say to fans. Like, take it easy here, Trots. Right. You know, take it easy, man. Just, just dial it back. You know. And I'm never. I've never been a big fan of. I love John Tortorella, you know, especially if you're, if you're a broadcaster, right? Because it gives you such fodder <laughs> each
0: day, you know. He does come up at, on our show quite a bit for a reason, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, look, Stevie, look at the impact uh, that that guy had uh, telling Larry Brooks, the, the iconic hockey reporter in New York, right? When he told him to F off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, pe- people, people still talk about that. But I'm not a big fan of the ultimatum type of coaching. Never was. Never will. I'm not a big fan of the ultimatum, period, you know, where if you don't do this, okay, this is what's going to happen. You know, some hard language, right, from particularly Tortorella when they do it, you know. And then look at, look at Tortorella's career. You know, he's coached a bunch of games. I, I don't know. Has he, has he been to the finals, Steve? I don't know. I'm not being sarcastic. He's won a Stanley um, Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. There we go. Okay, there we go. We go back. So uh, may, may, maybe I'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but uh you know i the the players and the coach
0: i think they got to remember the same thing you know cool it man cool it for a bit yeah i'm not uh, fond of the ultimatums what do you think of benching though cuz that's what happened here and uh clearly at some point dubois articulated to tortorella that he didn't want to be in columbus and uh and and like tortorella said if someone doesn't want to be here that's a hard thing for me to stomach quite honestly And I get that from a coaching perspective. You know, it's it's a hard enough job, without having guy a guy on the ice who's making ten million dollars over the next two years, and he's just uh, he's got a problem with the way I'm coaching. You know, unless unless you're coaching like, you know, the Mike Babcocks of the world or or Bill Peters, then you suck it up. It's a hard league, and John Tortorella is a proven winner. So maybe you want to roll with what he says just a little bit and not push back all the time.
1: Well, well, not only that, Steve, i am going to watch this interview um, in full there with Christine Simpson. He's calling the players soft. Uh, if you, I don't know if you read the first I part, did, yeah. part of it. Uh, so, you know, the, it, here's what really bothers me. If, if you own a team, you know, it, it's all in the players' favor, Steve. Now, the players will say it's all in the owner's favor. But, you know, so you pay a guy a whack of money, and all of a sudden you look up one day and go, this was never in the pamphlet that the guy wasn't going to freaking back check, mm-hmm. you know, or he was going to float, uh, you know, or, 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 or drag his ass around. That, that was never in the deal. Now what do you do, Steve? Now what do you do? You know, if you, the, the guy comes to the bench or between periods and, and you pull him aside and go, what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, pick up the pace. And if the guy shrugs, and goes, well, I don't know, I'm trying my best, you know. I don't know, trade me. Yeah. Right? They got you over a freaking barrel. Yeah, and know? benching is the only card that you have to play as
0: a coach in the NHL. Um, so many of these guys, you can't do much with them. Uh, you try and send them down to the minors because Dubois is a guy that could go down to the minors. So he doesn't have a no-move clause or anything because he's so young. But uh, you know that someone, you'd have to clear waivers, so you can't even do that. Um, you think back in the day, guys would get cut outright, you know. Bye. Yeah, you're being a jerk my way or the highway. But uh, no, there's always outs for these guys. And so being a coach is hard enough to get a group of young men who are from a different generation than you, the most distracted generation in human history, and you've got to somehow get these guys all organized, kind of playing on the same page. And you've got some twit out there who is just, uh, you know, shirking off anything that you're trying to give to him. That would be really, really frustrating, and yeah. uh, particularly for a guy as stubborn as John Tortorella. And I get the feeling, Stevie, the athlete today,
1: okay, doesn't. Ru- Russ and I got into this a little bit on the suspendables this week because, because I brought up saying I don't, I don't think they respect authority like, like years past. You know, from, you know, over the last one, two, three, or four decades, right? Because right that
0: authority point. doesn't have any weaponry. Yeah,
1: and he's like he. he lunged at me going no they do they do they do and i'm saying i don't think so you know i i think there's a, a trend you know in 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 young kids too uh you know you talk to a school teacher mm-hmm. now try trying to trying to teach young kids and and you'll your eyes will be opened very wide when they tell you what they can't do anymore well one but of my good friends
0: allowed. is a teacher and he's the nicest guy funniest guy loves the kids but he's reached a stage in his career where his only game plan is just get them through. Right. Move them on right. through to the next grade. Because any time you try and take initiative and save a kid who's going down the wrong path, not uh, not uh, doing their homework, failing everything, you try and have a conversation. This isn't this isn't everybody. Just as it's not with everybody in the NHL. But right. this seems to be more common these days. But if you have a – try and have a conversation – with a student's parent, that student going sideways, the lack of accountability, you know, the parent will just shove it back in the teacher's face. That's your job.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't send them to the office apparently anymore. You can't, even younger, you know, you can't give them a time out. You can't single them out in the classroom and yell at them. You know, it's all this, it's, you know, it's kind of abuse of power and all that stuff. Anyway, my point is... So that's where, you know, that's where these kids begin to align themselves with, I, oh, I get it, okay, I don't have to listen to anyone here, and that bleeds into these kids who go on to be great athletes, you know, that's how they've been been brought up, you know, or that's what they've been doing through high school, and, and you know, so for sure, I believe it is a softer guy, you know, back in the day, guys were playing for their life, you know, there was, when, when, when you think back to the, those eras, you know, in our time, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, every you know you never heard too much too much of guys asking for trades or get me out of here or do this or that for 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 the reasons of you know I don't like it here you know he's not very good to me he's not nice to me you know they don't they bench me and don't play so get me out of here it's just uh i've it it, it kind of pisses you off a
0: little bit well and there's also that angle just of try. kids not being allowed to fail like there's so much to be learned from from going through the failure process you know you You go to school, and, oh, my God, I forgot my assignment. It's worth a big part of my mark. And they call up mom or dad, and mom or dad, you know, drop everything, jump in the car, bring the homework to them. Mm -hmm. Letting them fail is such an important learning thing. And because of the lack of failure that so many kids have experienced, they sometimes grow up to be NHL players who have no concept at all of how to deal with adversity other than shutting down. Yeah.
1: Kevin Lowe always said, you know, six-time Stanley Cup champ, you know, started playing hockey in the late 70s, right, in the Oilers days. You know, he, he always said the problem with the money, uh, the pro- one of the problems with the big money is going to be, uh, and I think he's right, that it's not going to make players hungry enough uh, because they look at it and go, I, whatever happens here, whatever. And there are some players, right, who go, I don't give a shit. I don't care. Six months, I make a million dollars a month. Steve, they get paid over six months. Send me down, send me down. Yeah. You know, thank God everyone's not like that, but, but I could see that. You know, I could see that, right? If you're getting drilled and getting harped on and <laughs> all that, you might go home and I go, oh, whatever, this ain't so bad. Yep. You know? uh, so I got to believe what, what, what Kevin said a little bit, you know, it's that, that they're not hungry enough, but I don't know. It's a big, beautiful game. It's, you know, it's the best, but coaches got to take it easy, and definitely, Steve, the fans got to you know, relax.
0: My little spidey senses are going off right now that we sort of sound like the you kids get out of my yard show. (laughs) 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 You kids today. Anyway, we'll take a time out. We're back with our final thoughts after these words. Hey, it's 2021, and that means Jim K. Ford is now starting its 40th year helping people with their automotive needs. I think that kind of longevity says a ton. You don't last in business this long without building trust and connections Treating people the right way and turning first timers into repeat customers, who, by the way, are happy to spread the word about the great service they always get at Jim K. Ford. Your next vehicle awaits at jimkford.com. Popeye Supplements is the home of your New Year's Resolution Solutions. Right now, it's their New Year New You event. Got amazing deals like six pounds of PVL whey protein for only forty-four ninety-nine. dollars 99 the Popeye's value size of Veggie Greens and Fidoberry are $54.99. Popeye's remains open with strict in-store guidelines, plus curbside and online shopping as well. Find your nearest Popeye's at PopeyesCanada.com. Everyone knows that to get the best price on home and auto insurance, you have to shop around. But who really wants to do that? With access to all kinds of insurance markets, not only can I get you the best price, but I'll also make sure that you get full value for your money. Call me. I'm Jared Gerard, All Insurance, Ontario your modern boutique broker. And if you're thinking of buying or selling a home in the Ottawa area, we recommend the Glen Walton Real Estate Team. Glenn helped me sell our home back in the fall, and he set aside a budget to help us with painting, cleaning, staging, and even updating our ceiling lights. We got multiple offers, and the home sold for well over asking price. Call the Glen Walton Real Estate Team today at glenwalton.com. All right, James, we got to go. Any final thoughts today?
1: Well, I was just reading, uh, you know, before we do about the Barry Trotz thing, which, which falls right into what you're saying that that people shouldn't do. Uh, so the Islanders win uh, three of their first four games, okay, this year, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. And then they've then they go on to lose uh, their last see, two. Now lost their their last two games, okay. And now Barry Trotz is going. We need more, okay. I just felt like we only had one line. We're gonna shake some things up here because blah 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 blah, right? And 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 I gotta think you might want to say, really, Trotz? You know, if he listened to this show, yeah, he he would. We'd tune him up, going, you know, easy now, easy now. Yeah, there's
0: there's a quote in the in uh, Newsday, I think it is. It's a playoff mentality right now. No, sorry, it's the Athletic. It's a playoff mentality right now, and I'm not sure we have our playoff mentality yet. And it's pissing me off. Now, I know, Barry, that it's a short season, but it's not that short. It's still 56 games, and it's going to go on for many months. And uh, if you're throwing that around after two games, I mean, I haven't seen the Islanders' last two games. Maybe it's been that bad, uniquely bad. But uh, and, and Barry Trotz knows more about coaching than uh, we ever will. But it seems like a little excessive at this stage of the game for, for all the reasons we talked about earlier.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, we'll see. Well, I wonder what our show will be in the next, uh, I don't know, when another six, seven games are in the books here. Yeah, yeah it's,
0: so much is going to change. There's no question. You know, you you have a goalie that's uh, riding along with uh, you know an 850 save percentage and everybody's going, oh, my God, that's the worst ever. And then he wins two of the next three and suddenly his save percentage is up over 900 because it's right. such a small sample size you can't freak out too much about it and yet see people fans and even coaches seem to be uh but with that we'll call it a day James
1: yeah uh stevie i'm on a um you know i love my childhood stevie uh, me too final thought not yours that. mine um yeah no i liked your childhood too yeah it sounds like it was pretty strong <laughs> it was um so i'm 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 uh, eating sandwiches okay these okay. days i'm on the i'm on the sandwich roll mm-hmm. okay and I'm, I'm going back to what my favorite ones were that were in my metal lunch pail when I'd open it up at school. Yeah. And uh, the cheese and pickle was a good one, Stevie. Cheese
0: whiz and pickle. No? Che- like yeah. like it's just a cheese slice and pickles on it? Like sweet pickles? Cheese or, whiz. Or dill? No, no,
1: cheese whiz on, on bread with, with pickles was the sandwich.
0: What, what kind of bread and butter or dill? No, bread and butter, yeah, sweet pickles. Stevie. Okay. Yeah,
1: not the garlic dill. Okay, and same thing with the peanut butter and pickles sandwich. My mom used to make
0: peanut butter and pickles, sweet pickles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can, I, can so, go, I can go with the, I just take the pickles out of both sandwiches and I'm, I'm on board mentally. No,
1: no, no, you got to spice it up a bit. Those were good. Gross. Uh, the worst ones, though, Steve, so the, but the very best ones, Steve, and I had it last night, I went, oh, this brings me back. This brings me back 50 years, was the peanut butter and honey sandwich, Stevie. Strong. Such a healthy choice okay for your <laughs> your kid but but dude beside me i feel i, I got to find this guy cuz you know what he had every day stevie? What's bologna that? and ketchup oh yuck
0: can you imagine? yeah I marcel th- was th- his th- name i think I got. The, the worst meat would be that one that had that that was pink meat i don't know what the meat was spam I, or whatever it was and called and it had macaroni and cheese bits oh, in it oh yeah, yeah
1: yeah uh, awful Anyway, I got to
0: find Marcel. I got to
1: apologize because I was always, you know, every third day I had the awesome sandwich, you know, the peanut butter on <laughs> cheese pickle. And poor Marcel would open his up and go, you know, he'd just be the, like he got punched in the diaphragm. Okay, I got to choke back another bologna and ketchup. Anyone want to trade? Yeah. Anybody? Uh, the way you
0: feel about your buddy, though, I guarantee there was another guy that was sitting on the other side of you that was, was probably telling the same story today about that Jerome kid who always had the pickles and peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, thank <laughs> God I wasn't that guy.
1: Right, maybe. Maybe so. Uh, that's, all, that's all I got. You got to try it,
0: Stevie. No. Try a little peanut butter and pickles today. Even peanut butter even peanut butter and honey, man. It's like, it's like hey, uh, mom made me a lard and sugar sandwich today. Awesome. Oh, no, no. Peanut butter and honey, Stevie. Very strong. Oh, it's tasty. Very it's very it's just candy. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's very strong. Because we,
1: we always talked about... It's not the first time we brought this up, but because uh, we had thermoses, right? Yep. In your, fit in your lunch pail. Uh, so there's always milk, of course, in the thermos. Uh, but, but some kids, and my mom tried it once, and I said, I'm, I'm running away from home, Mom, okay, at eight years old, if you ever do that again, with the, the soggy wiener that they would put in the thermos, Steve. So they'd yeah. boil a wiener and stuff it in your furnace. In your stuff, into your thermos with the so hot water with the hot water, crack, that
0: one opens uh, you know four hours later. Yeah. You know, My mom hours. did that a couple of times, and then she got wise and started just firing the hot, hot dog by itself into the thermos, and it wasn't piping you know? hot by the time lunch rolled around, but it was still warm enough, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't nearly as gross. As the bloated five times its normal size right. wiener that you pull out of a watery thermos.
1: Yeah, what's what's in this thing that it can swell up to the size of a totem pole here? <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't even get my mouth around this thing. Jesus. Right. Anyway, let's go. What's your what's your good sandwich? Steve? You can tell me next. Okay. Good night, everybody.
0: We'll see you.